everyone and welcome back to the It's Good to Talk podcast. So, um, depending on when you're watching this and in what order, if you're watching my other podcast, you probably recognise Andy. So, <laughs> we've just done another podcast earlier for the Kicks of the Crotch, and which will be coming out a day early, so you may have watched both of these back to back. So, I do occasionally wear different shirts, but, you know, it's the same day. But, <laughs> um, we are chatting with uh, Andy because we have... We've talked before with uh, lecturers in psychology, um, with experts on mental health and various different people, but we've never actually spoken actively to um, a student that's kind of in between. We've, we've spoken to a politician um, recently who is studying at uh, King's um, in psychology, but that's far more specific and further down the line, whereas Andy here is kind of in between and there's a lot more to talk to Andy about than the specifics we were talking um, uh, talking to them about. So, how you doing, Andy? Yeah, doing well. It's a lot cooler now than it was earlier, so been a bit of a uh, bit of a stop sweating for a bit. Oh, see, it is for you, but I'm still in the same office, and my, my office is still. Oh my god! <laughs> my, my... Is, it, is, it, um, is it under forty? No. Um, so it's 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 my lights. I, I've realised this because my 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 main kind of um, my PC, decent you know decent temperature, absolutely fine. It's because I have three monitors, a main light a light there and a main light above me. It's just oh, it's sweltering. Anyone that's um, in the southeast, specifically the UK at the moment, um, we feel your pain. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, and obviously, I've, I've said there that um, you're, you're studied and studying psychology. So you, you didn't go like a specific route, um, as in you didn't go all out psychology or you didn't go all out into a mental health un, um, undergrad. You were psychology and sociology. So was there a specific reason you didn't just go psychology? Because I know a lot of people that have done psychology. Um, I actually took part in a lot of psychology um, experiments when I was at the university up the road from you um, because they paid. <laughs> so, and like any good student, yeah, if you're going to get paid to go along and sleep overnight and have something to touch your head, I did. But um, was there a reason that you, you thought, actually, no, I'll go a little bit of sociology? Um, was that kind of, was that more on the the mental health cusp? As in, you thought psychology is too much in the books I actually need to understand people a little bit more or was there something else? There's there are a few reasons um to begin with I went back to uni because as in like went back into education because I left college after doing um applied sciences so biology chemistry physics in 2012 which obviously was a bit of a gap between my uh, like from there to my last like to when I started uni um I got to the point where, um, and I think I've said on this podcast before or the other one, uh, my partner started going to uni um, pretty much through a coincidence. Ended up on the calling Christchurch just to check about um, like degrees um, because they weren't going anywhere either on the last day of clearing. Um, I found out about it later on that afternoon because he'd... Um, actually uh, like gone through it got accepted and then was like ah oh, you're at work this happened yeah. um but yeah so after after a year or so of like coming up and down to canterbury from blue water where i was interacting with people um 
I mean, looking over their work as well, um, I was like, you know what, I could probably do this as well. And it wasn't like I was doing anything better at the time. Like, I was working jobs where after my... Um, after my application had been put in and my manager signed it off, two days after I'd gone into Christchurch to like fill out the last of my forms, the company I was working for went under with no notice. Ooh, um, funny thing, the guy, yeah, funny thing, the guy who um, owned the company ended up having to sell his house to cover the uh, fines, but you know, lack of notice to staff who'd worked there for eleven years. Yeah, it was a bit messy. Um, but it was just a sign, it was kind of like a sign that I wasn't really getting anywhere where I was, mm. so it might as well have a nice change of pace. So I wanted to go into something, originally it was looking between psychology and environmental science, funnily enough. Yeah, um, so quickly, because, the reason that's funny is because I was studying, and, and one of my degrees I'm doing for Open University at the moment is environmental science. Sorry. I just thought, because we've, we've got it as an in-joke, I was just thinking, anybody listening is probably going, why is that funny? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was because I was always quite a fan of science when I was younger, and I was quite a fan of psychology, because I, I, was, I was in that position where I'd either understand people completely, or I'd have no no clue about them in the slightest um <laughs> it was very much like it was all or nothing that's what the psychology was for for me right um so i did foundation year first just because it had psychology sociology politics and criminology mm. so i had a good amount of like a uh, good amount of subjects i could look into i could figure out how i felt about each one and that was how i ended up going into sociology as well because in my first in my first week uh, week or two of sociology, um, I ended up getting into a uh, several arguments with this guy whose role model was Jacob Brees Mogg. Uh, wonderful. Okay. Um... And, um, so I basically I I kind of went on to sociology from that because if someone can sit in a classroom chat that much shit with that much confidence, then I might as well be there to kind of, you know, back and forth with them a bit, because otherwise they're just sitting there making it ridiculous for everyone else. Yes. I, and I, it, got, it did get to the point where um, our lecturer ended up having to uh, just occasionally split the class just to be like, okay, that's, <laughs> that's enough. Um yeah, that, that got funny. But it was basically, I was really interested in sociology when I started doing it, because I've got quite a like socially active mindset anyways. Mm. And it was partly just stubbornness from wanting to wanting to actually argue with people who come out with such rubbish on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean, for anyone else... I still really enjoyed psychology, so that's why I did psychology and sociology. And also there are certain about certain like aspects of psychology which I had which were like the only couple optional modules first and second year that I had no interest in um I get the idea behind military psychology but it wasn't my favorite one to even think about looking into no. so being able to do like the interesting parts of psychology and some of the ones in sociology made a lot more sense at the time 
and turned out pretty well as well. Yeah, it's yeah psychology. I have a love hate relationship with psychology in general. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, because I know according to my um, my, uh, my my breakdown on on YouTube, this is watched more by Americans. Um, Jacob Reese Mogg, for anyone that doesn't know, is the epitome of what I think a lot of the world, especially America, think an English gent in the countryside is like. He is basically a seven, he's the, he's the equivalent of a 17th century landed gentry. Now, I, I, my voice is somewhat more toned down than it used to be. Um, I sound similar when I, when my old voice comes back, unfortunately, which is why I don't talk like that much. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I have to say when I, when I started university, um, I came across someone immediately outside of the, the university uh, nightclub who was smoking a pipe with um, leather patches and just looked like Jacob Rees-Mogg as a, t- as a teenager. It was quite funny. Um, and you saying about that, that the two of you arguing, at university I was um, very, something very similar. It was, um, I was the leader of one of the political parties on campus and um, somebody else was the leader of the, the, one of the others. And we used to argue constantly in our seminars. We used to argue back and forth, back and forth. Um, and then there was one time when the uh, seminar leader actually separated us and said, right, we're actually having a debate today. You're on this side and you're on this side. And it was the only subject at which me and him just went, we just looked at each other and just went, um, we actually agree on this. <laughs> it's like of everything that you could have brought up, like, because our views were completely different on pretty much everything. And then it's just the one thing and we just kind of went, yeah, Basically, everyone, all political parties, agree, like we agree on this. It was really quite funny at the time. Um, but yeah, so Jacob Rees-Mogg is basically, yeah, he's a 17th century landed gentry trying to exist on, in the 21st century. Um, so his views on uh, the poor, um, on well, actually on anything, is is stuck several hundred years behind even the most backwater um, viewpoint. So. Uh, that's why Andy may have had some arguments. Um, so yeah, yeah no, there, there are two funny things about this guy just before I carry on. One, he's become sort of an urban legend in the politics society of Christchurch as a what not to do on social media. <laughs> that makes sense. The reason for this, he ended up on social media after having an argument with someone in which he, he said, and I, I'm quoting roughly here, if you don't understand sarcasm, you wouldn't understand it when you're being raped. Oh. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, he ended up getting kicked out of uni for that. Um, I'm not surprised. And, and the 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 paper uh, the it was in the Kentish Gazette, I think, where they actually interviewed him, um, and he said. It was. It seems like a political smear because of his right wing views. I'm sorry, but I I know right wing people, and I went to the university up the road from you, which is far more right wing. Like the student union when I was there for about five or six years was was always a, a right wing conservative uh, student union up there. Always it always was. None of them. Not only would they have not said it, they wouldn't have believed or thought about it. And they were the, they were what the fuck. Like that's oh my god! This is the shit that comes out every now and again, especially from that specific university. That I just think, you know what? What the fuck? 
just what the fuck it, it surprises even me and i was staff and student there like what the hell um yeah so i was a student at, at both universities for anyone just going well wait a minute um but yeah so w- that's a fucking hell right okay well not surprising that you may have had a few arguments with a complete twat like that okay um fucking hell. but um so when you were, when you were doing and you're kind of going picking and choosing i mean it makes sense that um Obviously, when you were doing the, the psychology, sociology, all those kind of things in your foundation, it's always a fun bit because you're kind of doing, I hasten to say A-level because it's more GCSE to A-level, if I'm honest. Um, I've just realised I would have been one of your administrators. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that before. Um, but um, Because you did psych- uh, criminology and that was um, under my department. But um, it makes sense that you were kind of picking and choosing and seeing what was there. So... What made you, because you liked the, the psychology, was there nothing then in the criminology and the the harsher side? Because, I mean, this is more of an interest for me, for instance, because I, as I think some people will know, I don't go for the the nicer, softer version in mental health. I don't, I don't believe in it, and I don't actually believe it is at the core of people. Um, now, that's not to say that I don't believe people can be nice or want to be nice. It's just that I don't believe that's the default. Like if you're if you're entering, similar to entering a game uh, and you get your default player, I don't believe it has a nice little star over them saying, absolutely wonderful, they think everything, everyone's altruistic. I kind of go down the Hobbesian, Machiavellian um, line. Um, and Machiavelli, I have to say, Machiavelli, if you ever read that, makes perfect goddamn sense because it's not from his perspective. He's trying to get a job. He he wrote a, um, another book called Discourses a few years later. That's actually um, his point of view. But you get some some kind of psychology from that. So was there not at all a pull to do criminology and psychology, or criminology and sociology, or was it just that you just weren't interested, or was it that you just didn't want to look at the darker side of people? Um, a lot of the a lot of the criminology stuff that we covered was um, looking at like the legal work, the courts, okay. um, and also the parts that weren't legal and courts were basically psychology and sociology. So right, okay, okay. Not to stick too fine a point on it, but the the legal side and the uh, like. Yeah, the legal side and like the um, court sentencing and stuff, that side didn't really appeal to me mm. because um, there's a there's a family motto from a um, uh, a um, like family in this book called the um, Shadowhunter Chronicles, which is Lex Mala Lexala, um, or roughly translated, a bad law is no law. That's not right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, the idea is that a like a a law which is bad is not a law at all. Although that that was the idea at least. Yeah. And I'm not entirely off that off that mark. So like, look, kind of looking up, like um, uh, studying the like legal side of it was. In some cases, not really something I was interested in. In some other cases, it was like, like God, this is the legal part of the of what's happening here. Right. Yeah. Because we, we've had on the podcast before, we've had a, um, a forensic psychologist who kind of goes on both sides of it, but she still works with offenders, works with um, people that have, have done stuff before, and kind of tries to work through 
seeing them as something beyond it and that's why that's why i was wondering whether that was ever a concern because that was that was something she'd she'd worked with so you're now coming up to, you've you've graduated um and uh you you just did it all at one you graduated and then you recently got married so you're just thinking you know let's just fucking do it all at once and get it out of the way um, <laughs> um and then you've got um your uh, masters that you're starting in september so next month mm. yeah it, yeah and yeah. Uh, and it's um let me remember this it is oh my god it's gone out of my head now what is the exact title of your masters the exact title is foundations in, in clinical psychology because the way it's broken down is the foundations and then the clinical psychology masters itself you need experience within the field to go into it yes um so it's foundation first then experience then the full masters yeah makes sense it's, it's similar to um to that with uh, with counselling, because I'm I, um, doing counselling diploma, um, which is weird, um, because in America it's a protected term and it's not in England, and I do not understand that. Um, <laughs> very strange. So is that the field you want to go into then? Is it the idea that you want to, because you, you said already that sometimes you either completely understand someone, you don't understand them at all, and I can relate to that um, very much so, yeah. and I think I'm taken the same way as people completely get me or don't it's um i I'm, i have a very hard line on when people meet me and um make assumptions it's like well then fuck off um <laughs> like if you, if you give me three tries i don't make the best first impression i'm well aware of that but my my motto to myself on different platforms is i'm aware that i'm an asshole so you know um but is it just i think if i remember rightly one of the first things you said to me was i'm a nice asshole Probably, which does sound yeah, like... It was, the, um, it, was like freshers, yeah. it was at Freshers Fair because you were at the uh, self-defence stall. Yes, uh, yeah, because I, I used to have a speech when I taught basically saying my best quality is also my worst. I'm an arsehole. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's... That's, I love that. It sounds like a chat-up line at Pride or something. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I am... Um, um, I... I, I kind of go with that, that, um, you know, I don't make the best first impression. So, but I, I also like to try and understand things um, because it, it's, it's very hard to necessarily get through to way, the way that somebody else is seeing you if you don't know what direction they're coming from because you can't see that direction. You don't understand it. You don't see through their lens. And so hmm. that's much as to why I'm doing counselling diploma, for instance. It's, I'm, I, I do not plan on practising as a counsellor in England. That is, it could change. It could change, but that is not my plan to do that. It is just so I understand. And if and if I can give any advice or any kind of interaction that helps people, great. But I do not intend on practicing. Um, I I I've, I wanted to just see what the fuck is going on in other people's minds. Um, so is that the case for you, or is that something you really want to do and and actually go into clinical psychology? Um, definitely partly continuing the um, understanding, but yeah. partly I do want to go into um, like clinical psychology and mental health specifically. Um, the other masters I was looking at was the mental health masters, which has annoyingly been cancelled and restructured for this year. Um, so it's not going on this year, but it is next year. But yeah. Um, but yeah, the clinical ones got slightly more of a kind of practical, like, trajectory um but i think the thing that's the thing that keeps like the 
attaches me so to uh, mental health and like um, clinical psychology in this example is that there are people who, through no fault of their own, are a lot of fucked up yep. in a lot of ways. And it's like the fact that there are people who don't get the help they need or spend like two years on a waiting list um, just for it to get worse and worse. Like the fact that it's a field in which it's more important, but also less like less staffed. Um, so it's wanting to kind of plug the gap there. Um, I mean, obviously having a trans partner who's um, like whose like time I've seen over the last six years, like I've seen very like some very good instances but also like just how long it takes to get through like certain stages to even get someone to talk to you like it's yeah. at least like actually making appointments getting to see people and then the people who still if if they had therapy when they were younger or had the option to go and like be in therapy when they were younger probably would be a little more or at least in a bit bit of a better place than they are when they actually get the therapy they need. Yeah, and I mean, especially for your partner, it's kind of because of the way that others may uh, may treat them and, and interact. It's there's a lot of bullshit that you have to go through and deal with because people say stupid or horrific or just fucked up stuff. Some people, of course, are are you know human beings. But you're having to deal with the fact that you've realized who you are along at the same time of everyone saying something else or, you know, trying not to say the wrong thing or things along there. And if you, all that happens is you're put on a waiting list, that that's destroying your own, not just your own mental health, but your own identity at the same time, because you're trying to currently trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Now, I know your partner had, had kind of gone through a lot of that already at the time. Um, that, that you got together in the time, which I think is about the same time that I've known your partner since. Um, Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but um, but because obviously I've known I, I've um, I, I didn't want to say the, the name because I'm, I'm not sure if you mind. But um, I, like I've known your partner just slightly longer than so, slightly longer than I've known you. Um, and they they were kind of put together by then. They were very kind of you know knew the trajectory going but that's that's only what they showed and mm. i'm i'm going to assume and if they're listening anywhere in the building hey but um i'm going to assume that that on the inside just wasn't the case because um i think it's difficult for any of us that aren't going through a massive upheaval in our life to be okay all of the time um and if all that happens if you're is you're told by the university that you've got to wait two months or you're told by the NHS you've got to wait six months it's very problematic for you to really get to grips with what was with what is happening even if things are going the right tra trajectory mm. so I, I understand so was there was there a realization in yourself or in your friends that made you want to go forward or was there a because you've gone from wanting to understand people to still that's part of it, 
but mm. also now wanting to help as well. Now, was there something you kind of that you've seen with your partner or with others around you, people on the course, or just the the thing in your own mind of kind of going, yeah, you know what? Fuck yeah, there's people maybe um, in different positions. Let's see what what we can do. Was mm-hmm. there was there like a, a specific uh, trigger that made you go, okay, actually, there may be something more to this. I mean, I think in terms of, like, by the time I got into going into psychology and, like, going into uni, I'd very, very much solidified that mindset Mm. um, after, well, a good period of about two years of stuff, having to fight battles that I didn't realise needed to be fought in the first place. Then also I get very, I get very, I flare up quite easily when it comes to, things just being completely off the way they should be <laughs> with you like i cool down just as quickly but it's like you know that's where we differ i don't, I don't. <laughs> yeah what, you don't cool down i don't cool down as quickly yeah <laughs> flare up quickly then just like well, i've talked about this actually before is that um because everyone has their default emotions and my default emotion is anger and upset and I think a lot of people assume that default emotion means everyone's happy. Like, that's the default. And it's like, no, we all have different defaults. And mine just happens to be anger, anger and upset because of shit that's happened in my life and generation I was born into and everything. I mean, I am the fucking definition of toxic masculinity. Everything about me or my background is that. Now, luckily, that isn't me. I, I would hope could, would be the, be the comment from people that know me that there may be traits of it, but I, I think in the in the in the parts where it matters, I I do not give that off at least. Um, but yeah, I think there's a, a a default. Luckily, you you uh, calm down from it. I think I just live there when I get into that kind of thing, when I see things going wrong. Yeah, no, but like I was saying before that, um, even when I was at school, like. Um, I mean, when I started school, I'd moved from Australia to here and then went into school a year late. Mm. So I had three friends and about 300, I say 300, that's an exaggeration, but most of my year just being like, oh, let's pick on the new kid. And most of the year above that and a couple of above that, but they kind of stopped picking on the shorter people after a while. Um it's partly why I got into martial arts in the first place, because it's like, you know what, I might as well fight back a little bit, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so I spent a long time, like, just having a few friends. Mm. And then I got to college, and I met, like, a lot more people. And I think that was when I realised that most of the people I met, um, like, they were through like either they had their own issues or they were in in the case of quite a few of them actually children with divorce mm. and just how messy that got like had an irrevocable impact on them um to the point in which they were drawn to like people who had a fairly like stable family relationship and stuff mm. um but i was always wanting to try and understand people a bit more in that in that sense in that like these are people who are having these issues partly because the people around them haven't sorted theirs out before kind of dumping it down the line. Yeah. Like generational trauma is very much a, uh, 
real thing. Um, but also, like, I've gotten a lot more, um, I suppose practice wouldn't be the right phrase, but I've gotten a lot more experience in, like, helping people through that kind of thing and actually, like, talking through their emotions, helping them deal with, like, their judgments and their, um, like, issues and stuff. Mm. Um, my best friend calls me her, um, her other therapist because <laughs> she has one. Um, and usually, uh, like, after the, well, after about two years of this, was like, okay, I can basically work through your thought patterns in my head to work through situations where I would other ne- otherwise need to bug you. Mm. Not that it was bugging, it was more just they felt bad about asking me about everything, and they were like, okay, I'm just going to use your thought patterns, work through it, and then hopefully arrive to a conclusion that we would have arrived to together anyways. Mm. And they're certainly getting a lot better at it. Just, just, and it is, just in case they, they want to be funny if they ever look back on this, CP Cab or anyone like that, he's not actually saying that he was practicing um, <laughs> any kind of thing there. Because, you know, there's some, pe- um, there's some pen pusher somewhere. That's not what Andy's saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just, I, you know, you, you've, got to, you've got to take these things carefully sometimes. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good working, being able to work that through with your friends and, and having, having that experience. I think people don't realise how much... It's, the problem is, I think the biggest problem when it comes to psychology and mental health is that so much of it can sound cliched as fuck, but there's a reason it sounds cliched. It's because it's true. And so much can be made from just having a chat. I mean, ha- or every single person listening to this, I hope there's many of you, um, I think me and Andy and everyone else, there, there at some point in our lives has been something that's, that we are just we just can't deal with. And then we don't want to talk to anybody about it. And then suddenly just one person we talk to and we may we're not gonna be cured we're not gonna be fantastic afterwards but just a little bit little bit you're going yeah okay it's i'm a, I'm a little bit better than i was some somebody wanted to ask how i was some somebody talked to me and just, it's amazing how much talking to someone and, and obviously if it's someone like your best friend you get to actually talk about things that may be they may not have even talked to their psychologist in real life about, you know, there's, there's plenty of people that don't, do not, you should as much as you're comfortable with everyone out there, but there's plenty of people that do not tell the psychologists anywhere near everything. And so it can be really, really good to have that person to be able to go, you know what, let, let me tell you the stuff that my psychologist doesn't know. Like, you know me better. What do you think? And it can be really helpful. Like having a, having that friend that you can go to really can help. So I gotta, I gotta keep up in the energy drink. It's um, yes. everything keeping me going. <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously your kind of idea is to kind of, you know, see that gap. I mean, obviously I've told you, and for anyone that doesn't know, I've um, we've now been relaunched. I'm the the chair of a mental health charity in the UK, um, and the biggest thing for us is that we help and allow people to what I, what I call create their own therapy. So in effect means that they are able to um, see what works for them and go forward from it because not everyone gets help from talking therapy, although it is incredibly helpful for some people. For some, I'll include myself, it is not that helpful. And actually talking to a friend is more helpful. But um, also stuff like stuff like traditional CBT has 
been shown to have limited effect on people with autism because of the fact that it somewhat relies on you taking other mindsets, yeah, which is a difficult thing to do. It's also a strange one because it, 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 it it's, it's the most helpful on, um, on conditions such as anxiety, but not all types. And I suffer, I was diagnosed from the age of nine with obsessive compulsive disorder, which is an anxiety disorder. But CBT is very poor at dealing with that because of the fact that the behavioral side of um, OCD is about 10% of it. And the rest of it is, is generally intrusive thoughts and self-attacks. And so that doesn't really get dealt with as much with um, in the CBT. So it can be really problematic for things like that. And like you say, that those kind of traditional stuff just don't work for certain people. Um, and, you know, the NHS, that is their go-to. It's CBT or, or nothing else. Um, and so, you know, the, the way that I, I like to think about it is if you can get some kind of pleasure or well-being out of anything, as far as I'm concerned, that is therapy. Going and playing golf, gaming, having a D&D &D night. I really need to get, I'm going to have to ask, I'm going to have to see if I can come into your D&D &D session. I have a character that was created two years ago that I had to call off and never use them. Um, <laughs> so I really, I've never played D&D &D and I want to. Um, but like, if D &D or gaming or um, podcasting or dance, dance is a wonderful one, or meditation, yoga, music, the, the more traditional, what people think, those things can all be used as part of someone's therapy. Um, I've had this discussion recently with someone and they kept trying to correct the idea of it being therapy because therapy had to be a professional. And I'm like, but for me, that's problematic because that becomes elitism in psychology. And the whole idea is you have to try and look after the person that's looking for something. And it's a similar kind of idea as you were, say you were saying. It's, it's that kind of plugging the gap because I think the, the downside, and this is where I have my issues with psychology, is the downside is it, it doesn't look enough at the person. Um, I don't know if that's something you've come across because I do find a lot of times yeah, I mean, I did. it, you know. Yeah, like that was my big um, issue with the in my third year when I had to do a qualitative versus quantitative. Um, I ended up with my third choice. Uh, my top five choices were all qualitative. Mm. Uh, my third choice was the uh, use of uh, use of victimhood as a narrative within the um, uh, Brexit coverage. Right. So it was interesting to me, but it wasn't the one I wanted to do. Mm. If that makes sense. Like it was, it was worthwhile and it was a good piece of work, but it was more a hobby than what I was actually aiming for. Yeah. Um. But I always like if you look at um like journal bias, for example, like quantitative papers which have a large sample size and end up with a statistically significant result are much more likely to get published than a qualitative case study or even a quantitative piece that doesn't reach significant conclusion. Mm. Like you're not gonna hit all the you're not gonna hit all the shots you take. Like no. you might come up with a hypothesis, test it, large group of people comes up with nothing. That's still research, that's still work. But much how in journals it's the same in like say in areas in which people have to prioritize, like if they can train up 10 decent-ish like CBT therapists or CBT psychologists mm. rather than 
two or three psychologists with a wider like field, then they're going to pick the easier option. And mostly that is just a case of it's one shortage, two economics, three, like you said, almost elitism that if it doesn't work this way or if this works for most people and it doesn't work on you, maybe there's something wrong with you, which is entirely the opposite of what therapy and psychology should be. Yeah. Like, that's the problem. And also, like, I find a lot that... um, People are always talking about how, oh, how you can, like, how you can, like, forgive the people around you. But in terms of something like generational trauma, sometimes it's the parents' fault. Like, regardless of their intentions, regardless of, like, what, what their own upbringing was, if you're in a situation where living at home or living in a certain environment makes your mental health worse then at a certain point you've got to look at the environment as the actual like as like one of the big stresses of it Absolutely. like taking people out of that environment it's why people so many people like essentially become new people at uni and then sort of turn back into their like shell selves when they're at home like they go back they're a totally different person and then they like come back to uni and it's like okay now i can now i can live and make my own decisions how i want without this kind of like environment like molding me in a way that i don't want to be molded yeah yeah it's it's i have two or three people that are that i talk to relatively um often because those that don't know i'm a, a mental health facilitator and educator and um i talk to a few people and it's always interesting because of course the psychological world and the therapy world can't necessarily say what I say because there's there's practices. Whereas I will straight up say to someone, from what I'm hearing, your family is toxic. You need to get the fuck out. And I, I and I think that's that's the case. It's something we don't allow ourselves. As you say, it's something we don't blame. We whereas you know if for in, for instance, I've had people that their their parents will. Um, call them that they're, they're not a real man because they're not drinking beer or you know um, they can't cry because um, if they cry they're not being a real man or um, it'll be you know um, disowning your, your daughter because they married the person you didn't like or you know this kind of this kind of bullshit goes forward and then you're told yeah but it's your family and I always point out to people that starts that sentence oh but they're your family that comes from family. They're the ones that say that. You know, you can't desert us. We're your family. So what? You choose your family. It's not a fucking, you know, it's not about who bore you. You didn't decide to be in that family. You decided to be around other people. There are members of my family that I talk to more than I didn't used to talk to. And there are people that I have not spoken to in a decade. And I include brothers and sisters in that. Like, there are people I have not spoken to in a long time because I've I'm too old for that shit now. Like, I can't be fucked. I moved out of home at 15. Yeah, granted, I ended up homeless. But, like, that was my decision because there were certain things around uh, that time that I was not prepared to deal with because that that side of me, you know, that, that kind of angry side was not in a good place for it. And like you say, it's not something that 
we're told to blame. And actually, we should. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it, we should. I, I, I actually have the thing with people as well, because a lot of people go that they want to forgive themselves. I don't think you should. I think it's a nonsense. This idea of forgiving yourself doesn't make any sense because you're forgiving someone else. Because if, if you're in, if you're in the idea that you are a completely new person, you're a completely different person. What does forgiving somebody else achieve for you? You can, because you're never going to forget it. Because if, if if it was something you could forget, you wouldn't want to think about forgiving it. But also, your memory is shit. Your memory is just awful. Human memory is. You're 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 trying to forgive a version of yourself that likely didn't exist. You're either in a better mood about yourself, in a better place with yourself, so you're looking back at that person as being worse than they were, or you're still in a slightly vulnerable position, and you're looking back at that person as being um, being um, better than they were. At, whoever you're forgiving for the actions they took isn't you, never was you, and even if you could forgive them, it's not forgiven by anybody else, and it's just a, it's like me forgiving forgiving you for things that you did wrong in the past. It doesn't make any sense, and actually I think... So many people only think about the idea that they've got to be able to forgive themselves, that they actually stagnate their progress in the future because so much of their psychological energy goes on forgiving something they can't forgive because mm. they were, maybe they were a complete arsehole. I mean, hey, anyone that knew me in my 20s? Yes, I was an arsehole. But I can't do anything about that. I'm not a time traveller. I cannot change what happened. So me forgiving something, nobody that knew me then, nobody that I hurt, nothing, none of that is going to be something that they forgive. And it's nothing that I can change. I am not the same person I was in my 20s. So who am I forgiving? I think that's something, I don't know, I don't know about your view, you may have a completely different view, but I always think that the idea of forgiveness in psychology is one that's banded about too much. I don't necessarily mm. believe in the idea of forgiveness. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's a lot of like, oh, you, like forgive yourself because like in the case of like um like any kind of abuse like sexual abuse um yeah. i'm 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 gonna talk about child sexual abuse specifically because of a essay i wrote a while back okay. in which freud's theory of repression um was seen to be uh like kind of what's the word it was seen to be quite prominent in survivors of childhood sexual abuse because the memories related to the abuse be repressed yeah. because the act of bearing negative thoughts towards your caregiver is contradictory towards the survival mechanism, which requires you to be in the good graces of your caregiver. Yeah. And if yeah. you're not in the, if you're, if you're like angry at them or if they're, something different to the way they should be mm. and it's essentially easier for survival to forget that so that's why a lot when a lot of people are like oh but you couldn't remember it from like the like 10 15 years ago like that's bollocks yeah like you literally buried that memory for the sake of your survival yeah. and now that you don't need to survive in that environment it's kind of come back up again yeah, and it's like it's still a memory which has come from a place mm. of like place of truth in that sense. Um, but yeah, what was the game with that? Forgiveness, forgiving the person. <laughs> yeah, no, the like a lot of the idea of forgiving yourself is forgiving your response to other people. Mm. 
like if you lash out at your family after they've spent years like belittling your every achievement then you're supposed to forgive yourself for how you acted towards them Mm. like the point is the only thing that forgiveness or one of the only things forgiveness gives in that situation is essentially giving the person a free pass to not actually like recompense for their own actions like the best example of forgiveness I can think of is when I was very drunk in a gay bar in Medway called Coyotes if anyone knows it um and this guy came up to me who I I sort of recognized he was about your height actually he was quite like slim um and he was like you might not remember me but I was terrible to you at school because I was suppressing myself and I took out my own hatred on you Mm. and the people around me because otherwise other people would take it out on me for being the way I am. Um, And he literally just like kind of sat there like next to me, like crying um, and saying, I suppose it's, um, I suppose it's um, like just a, just what I get considering I've got a form of bone cancer which um, needs surgery Um, so obviously you were sitting next to me being like I could die and I've seen you and you're someone I treated terribly and it's like in that case that is in, in, in that case it is a case of they're trying to forgive their past actions but they're trying to find someone who can forgive them because they can't forgive themselves. But in that case, they're looking for someone else to forgive them. Sounded like a I, in my very drunken, somewhat confused state, just ends up getting off with them. Um, <laughs> and like that story didn't really go anywhere after that. Hmm. But it was the fact that sometimes, like sometimes in terms of forgiveness, people do have things that they genuinely are regretful for and they find someone to forgive them but that's not the case when what you're trying to forgive is your reaction to someone else actually being in the wrong yeah and i think i don't know in that example i would say that there was way more to his psychology than than the forgiveness because to me if he was not in the position he was and that ill i would argue maybe he wouldn't have looked for that forgiveness or needed it because it would seem to me that he needed that forgiveness because almost as an act of redemption to himself and potentially a thought, a spiritual thought of karma. Um, you know, not that, and I will point this out, I do not fucking believe in karma. I do not believe in any of the spiritualization of it, but many people do. And there's an idea that there could have been something coming out of it and wanting to almost help themselves through it at the same time would the same thing have been the case or would they have even needed or wanted? Because obviously they were a different person um, or at least at the time period you knew them, they were a different person. Would they have wanted to, would they have wanted to be forgiven or forgive themselves or would they have just come up to you and started to chat you up? If that was what ended up happening, you know, would they have just kind of gone, Oh, you know what? This would be, this would be a great thing. I can, I can show myself, I can prove to myself because proving to yourself is one thing because they're going to prove to themselves of that they're a different person now by getting off with you you know 
I was repressing my, you know, they, they, their idea of their rep- repressing their sexuality and everything like that by doing that and proving to themselves. Because and at that point, is the is the forgiveness really part of your forward progression? Because you've already shown to yourself that you are not that person. And you didn't need something else to be an interjector into that, such as that person being ill was. So hmm. I don't know. I, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just cynical as fuck on human behaviour. I think that is also a possibility. Um, but I always I always wonder that because I mean I was you know I can I can blame fuck fifty different things. You know I can blame my stepfather. Um, I can blame the fact that I was homeless twice. Um, the fact that I was just a complete fucking twat in my twenties because I went from twenty odd stone to like thirteen and suddenly I could pull. You know and so I was a cock. Um, you know, I can blame all that, but at the end of the day, that was just who I fucking was at that point. I was, I was a child. I was a child in a man's body trying to figure out what the fuck to do. And me trying mm. to forgive that would be me forgiving someone who wasn't, who isn't who I am now. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very strange thing. Me and my actions now reinforce my true worth and my needs and everything else going forward. And if anybody tries to insult me with an assumption of who I am or what I am because of actions of my past, that can't hurt me because I know that's not me. Whereas if I wanted to forgive that person of who I'm, who I'm no longer a part of me, then I reinforce that that could be part of me. And therefore any attacks on me and my character from what I did in my past would actually start to hit. So I, I, I feel like the progression actually works better without the forgiveness. Hmm. Again, I'm I understand what you mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's always an interesting one for for me because a lot a lot of stuff I say is is um, counterintuitive to I think what people are taught and what people believe because it's the way it's always been. But then that's the point. I'm neurodivergent. You're neurodivergent. There's a lot of people we know that are neurodivergent, and we're in a world created for neurotypicals. And so our take on many things, even you know academic things, don't necessarily make sense to everyone because that's not how they're meant to be interpreted or taught because they weren't written for us <laughs> you know it was a very kind of kind of strange thing with it so when you when you move forward so let's let's assume you go into clinical practice is there a specific area you hope to find yourself is that going to be you know for instance like i said that the the, um, the lecturer in um forensic psychology we had on works with offenders so that is their specialism um is there an an area that you think i may work with um this area because i have some experience in it i may work with this because i don't and i think we could learn off each other or you know is there something that you're you think actually you'll be able to move forward with i think professionally um the area i want to look into most is um uh mental health for LGBT individuals because it's again one that has a like a much more need than it does capacity to actually enact any of it Um, but also the fact that you've got people who in some cases were it not for the environment around them were it not for like them logging on to like Twitter or something and seeing someone telling them to go die just because of how they like 
who they like to fuck or something, or who they don't like to fuck as well. Yeah. Like, the weirdest one I saw was, the weirdest one I saw in a lecture regarding sexuality, and in this case asexuality, was um, Tucker Carlson asking an asexual person if they tried goat's cheese. I'm sorry, fucking what? Because clearly, if you like goat's cheese, you can like other types of cheese. But if you haven't tried goat's cheese, how do you know you don't like cheese? What the fuck is going on in Tucker Carlson's head? (laughs) So even if we get past that analogy, what he's effectively saying is that he's open for anything. In his interpretation of sexuality, what he is personally saying is that he should try everything. And hey, Tucker... You do you, my friend. However, what the fuck? Especially working for Fox News, I don't know how well that'd go down. But what the hell? Like, what the fuck is going on? It's... Like, this yeah, is... like and it's a lot of my... Sorry, Carl. Yeah, no, a lot of my... I think a lot of my trajectory at this point has been seeing and interacting and obviously, like, being friends with people mm. who, were it not for most of the environment around them would probably be a lot happier or at least a lot more like at least a lot more like knowing mentally stable for lack of a better phrase at this point Mm. like people who purely are like yes there are some issues there but those issues are just kind of cranked up to 11 by everything else around them rather than their selves cranking it up through mm. some kind of like through some kind of like escalation into a mental health crisis like the escalation isn't because of their own like mental state or their own even their own brain chemistry although again depending on the current um or at least the current um uh examination of um uh is this ser- yeah the serotonin balance um, regarding depression being found or being at least preliminary, preliminarily found as something which doesn't have as much scientific basis as it has been given. Which, but like in that case, which it's the, the current research says it's about um, of the nine internationally recognized recognized understanding of depression around two of them are chemical, which is still 25%. So, yes, it hasn't been... It's not as my thing before it was 50-50, but 25% is still pretty high. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, like, the point is, regardless of the um, escalation there, my point is that in a lot of cases, or at least, like, cases I've personally experienced, seen um, even ones that I've like, seen online or known about through other people... Like the escalation of that mental health issues are because of the environment around them and because of the people's perception of them as themselves. Mm. And that's precisely what I want to try and get into and try and break that cycle. Like I know that I can't in a like singular capacity do very much about the environment that they're around, Mm. but if I can at least help them like at least help them shrug off some of that environment or move past it or recognize that the perception of that environment isn't actually a reflection on their own personal like well-being and their own um, personal value 
then like I've done something good for someone. Yeah, and I mean it's it's that thing because a lot of people, especially because of business people who seem to think they're philosophers now, um, people seem to think they've got to earn their worth, um, and it's just it's just a nonsense. Um, and I, I, I like the way you describe it there because it's it's not necessarily about you trying to understand them. It's about helping them understand themselves, which I think is something that's done very wrong by many psychologists. Um, so, for instance, I've, I've heard horror stories about specifically two cases, one where a psychiatrist said um, psychiatrist or psychologist, I can't remember which one, um, but told their um, told their client that the only reason that um, uh, their, their mental health was so bad is because um, they were gay and God didn't like them. Mm. This, was, this was a licensed psychiatrist. Um, and the other one, which was more worryingly from the UK, was um, someone that was told that them being ace was wrong. Um, and, you know, the, if you just got into a, a, a proper relationship, basically, with um, with the people around you, that it would, you know, you're, you're just beating yourself up for it. And that's somebody that has no idea. I mean... I, I interact with uh, with people of all along that thing because in my talks on uh, and, and my discussions on mental health and being that kind of peer peer support group for people, we have people who I am happy to talk to about anything that maybe trigger one or other people such as LGBTQIA um, plus or um, uh, you know suicidal depression or, or things along there that people don't talk about generally and there are people in there on um, that are part of um, that community that. I can't understand, and I think it would be wrong for me to try. I personally cannot relate to someone who is ace. Can't do it. I, I can't. I can. I can see that that is valid, and I can help them to understand themselves. Um, you know, in terms of them looking at themselves and realizing that they are still worthy just because somebody else is not isn't part of them. But for me to try and put my perspective on how they see the world should not be part of a psychological makeup because that's not your place. And it, it is, like I say, I think that the way that you described it there is far better because I can't, I mean, for instance, I couldn't, I couldn't put myself in, the, in, the, in, in your position or in, in your partner's position. I, in, 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 my, in terms of um, how I feel about people or, or act or anything like that, I'm not the same. In the same way that you couldn't do it in the way that I am. And or about someone that's ace or me about someone who's some somewhere else along the line. And so that is not somewhere that we should even try and interact with. Just treat the person like a fucking human being. Don't be a dickhead and tell them something from your own background that has no relevance and try and help them through the journey. So it's always the thing that, that really does worry me in psychology is that I think too much of a person comes forward sometimes. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm opinionated and I will you know, I will talk from my own experience and my my varied understanding and anecdotal um, relation, but I hope and try not to trounce out anybody else's thought, thoughts. I can be quite domineering in, in talking and things sometimes, but I always try and make sure that someone knows afterwards if, if, um, if that has been the case, that they are still valid for anything they said and they shouldn't ever do anything. For instance, the word sorry is literally banned in my Twitch um, uh, group for my peer support. It, you cannot write, if you try and write a sentence with the word sorry in, it will not publish that sentence. Because the, words, the word sorry, as far as I'm concerned, the word sorry never has to be used. Because if I haven't asked you for a sorry, then it isn't required. Because you haven't offended me or the community enough to require that sorry. 
if you've ever done something that bad that in an open mental health discussion, the word sorry is needed, you've already been banned because there shouldn't be anything that, that requires that. Because if the only thing that would, would require, require a sorry is something beyond the point at which sorry is any good anyway. And the only thing that sorry actually does is give that demon in your head another reason to attack you. Because, well, you can't say sorry unless you think you did something wrong. And so when you bring up about your own feelings or your own mental health or the fact that you want to die that day and then say sorry, that's because you think you, you shouldn't have said it. And it's just not something I think should be part of a discussion. Hmm. It's yeah, it's it, it's really interesting. People come into my chat and they're like, why isn't why can't I say anything? I was like, because you said a banned word. And they just went, I didn't swear. I'm like, there's no swear word that banned in my chat. You said sorry. <laughs> so like, or apologize or any variation. Or the word fine. The word fine is also banned in my chat um, because there's no such thing as fine. If somebody asks you how you are and your answer is fine, what's really going on? Because you're not fine. You know, it, it, at best, we're British. At best, our response should be, eh, it's okay. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's what we're getting. Like, that's the nearest of fine you're getting if you're British. Let's be honest. So, yeah, I've, I've kind of rambled on a rant there, but I hope that made sense in some way to what you were saying. Yeah, no, I think, I think like you said, um, one of the, like, one of the most important um, phrases, I think partly it is something which happens because of a, because of the, um, and this is pure sociology here, the individual, like, hyper-individualized kind of Western mindset, like, if you are going to succeed in this environment, you need to be the absolute knowledge. Mm. Like you need to know everything. You need to be right all the time. Um, and that's the point is like, if, you are, if you're a psychologist in that position where your need to be right is more important than the needs of your patients, then you're not doing your patients justice. Like you're not doing your job in the first place if you need to be right more than they need to be what they need to be. Like even simply, even simply saying I don't understand it, but I can respect it. Like you know that's that can be as simple as that. Um, like I was walking down the high street this like this afternoon after work, and there was this uh, preacher on the corner. Um, saying that all mental health uh, like crises and all mental health issues come from the fact that we are condemned. And I was like, I'm, I'm not even going to stop and think about that because no, like what the fuck? I'm not just going to stop and start an argument with someone because they genuinely think that your mental health issues are because you are condemned to go to hell or something. That sounds like that psychiatrist in America I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Just fuck's sake. Um, you know, if, if happily killing your own son isn't a psychological issue, I don't know what is, and that's written in the fucking Bible. But anyway, because I know the preacher you're talking about. Um, just, <laughs> it's, yeah, there's, there's, there's just fucking issues everywhere. And I would actually say, weirdly, because... I, just because of the makeup, I want to know everything. I can never know everything, okay? It's the torment of Tantalus, wanting to know everything. It's why I do degrees, why I do qualifications. But my response to me not understanding would be, I don't understand, I'll try and learn. Like, to me, that's, a, that's an opportunity to learn more. I don't understand the idea of being 
completely closed off to it. Of like, you shouldn't mm-hmm. be going. You know, now there are there are definitive facts, but when it comes to someone's mind, and this is where I have issue with psychology, as I say, when it comes to someone's mind, there, there, there isn't a definitive fucking fact. It's someone's mm-hmm. mind. There's there's something else going on there. So trying to understand it more, so trying to understand someone's um, d- depression, someone, and someone's anxiety, someone's sexuality, someone's autism, someone's just fucking anything. And I really hate. I really hate having to include LGBTQIA in that, but because of what is caused by idiots around, it gets included in there. But I don't mm. like using it because it then gives certain morons like Andrew Tate a platform to spout bullshit. But I heard about this guy. I don't. I don't know much more about the context though. He's a misogynist asshole who thinks that women are property. Ah. Yeah, he he wants to fight Jake Paul, and it's the only time in history I've ever wanted Jake Paul to actually knock someone out. Um, so yeah, it's there, there's levels of misogyny and Andrew Tate at the top, but you know it gives by including it in the discussion, it, it gives it. But unfortunately, because again, those trying to understand their sexuality or their identity or anything face the same problems as those hitting men- mental health issues because the same issue is the world was written for someone else or it was at least written for someone else it was written for someone who didn't want to admit that they may have been someone else um, mm. and that's the problem it was written for a straight cis neurotypical person and that's why there seems to be this massive attack on anyone that isn't anyone who steps out of that neurodivergent or coming into their own sexuality and so i really hate putting it together but the struggle is is there is a similar struggle um at least to to an authority that you have to fight i mean i want to get i want to obvious i mean this is like fanciful at best but i want to get to the point in which my like um, the position that I inhabit or the position that I want to inhabit is no longer needed because the point is someone's like sexuality or identity isn't the reason they have mental health issues it's people's reaction to that yes and like there's nothing wrong with it in the first place that's how um, you say what I said in a hundred words in like three but yeah <laughs> it's precisely because of the fact that they face unique issues yeah. due to this the like the position that I even want to go into in the first place. Yeah, I would much prefer the position that I want to go into not be there because it means that it's not needed anymore. The fact that it's needed and the fact that I want to go into it to try and fulfil that need is as much part of the problem as it existing in the first place. Absolutely, yeah. Like like I said, we we, we spoke um, earlier about the fact that like places in America still have well technically even in england it's illegal but uh, sorry it's legal but in america you can still legally kidnap someone for conversion therapy and so the reaction from someone is going to create lifelong trauma you, you can't not you, you cannot not have trauma from shit like that it just can't ha- i don't care who you are that's just fucking trauma coming with it um just because i mean you love someone else I don't, I don't quite want to um uh what's the word 
I don't quite want to uh, rile up uh, Rishi Sunak's uh, new version of Revenge, but honestly, I don't believe that England uh, even deserves to have Alan Turing on the £50 note because the people like people like him are still in a, in the position he was in or in positions because of how he was, and the fact that like they've got him on a note doesn't change the fact that people get attacked for being gay and for no other reason. Yeah. And the fact that people just the fact that people just wave it off and be like, I'll ignore them idiots, it's like, yes, but also no. The fact that a government puts someone on the money who currently they probably would have a problem with. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's, we've not come anywhere near far enough. Now, granted, we don't chemically castrate people anymore, but then we've got to remember how how recent this. This isn't even this isn't even a hundred years ago. Like, this <laughs> isn't even a hundred years ago that we chem- chemically castrated someone for being gay. What the fuck? It's it. Especially, you know, if we look at that Turing specifically, this is a person who basically created, I mean, at bedrock, the the ability for me and you to talk to each other kind of comes out of what he did. Um, And, you know, he was a massive and significant thing for the world. Now, the bullshit that comes out in in his in the film about him is not the same, and there was a lot of other stuff around it in the second in the Second World War. For instance, the Enigma machine, the first one was actually discovered by the, actually caught by the Polish, not by us. But of course, you know, inbuilt racism from England there. Um, but there's a lot of what he did that was incredibly positive and needed for the war effort, and then the response was just go, yeah, but he's gay, so we need to do this to him. What the like the fact that it was so it was so vile that that they couldn't even go this person was someone that helped win the war for us. It was yeah, but now we need to cure him. Like what the fuck? It's there's so much vileness to that, and there's people still alive today that were in the world then, and I think that's the thing is that we keep and I saw this on TikTok actually recently is that we keep trying to pretend that this shit didn't exist like it was centuries ago and it wasn't it just it just fucking wasn't like it was illegal to be gay or actually let's not just say be gay it was illegal to have any any sexual identification other than straight until like the fucking early 70s late 60s like, actually there's a slight miss there's slight misjudgment in that in the being lesbian or as the term at the time was called lesbianism hmm. was never made officially illegal because it was never considered as sex Yes, that's it's the same reason that men can't technically be raped un, under law. It's the same reason. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, British law only recognises penetration um, for, for sexual assault. And everything. Well, no, specifically for that. So, yeah, there, there's this idea, but you still have vilification with that because then they would get you under something else. Um, and the idea that that wasn't even changed until, I mean, actually, the equalisation of... Um, of sex was the 90s the age of consent yeah um i can't remember specifically when but it was within my lifetime but not by massively i get the feeling it was just within mine yeah it's and i mean like 
it sounds ridiculous. And I, I, and I remember, like, anyone that's out there going, oh, yeah, but it's done, it's done and we made sure of it. I remember the fucking headlines. I remember the jokes. Because the whole point was people going, oh, look at these old men now that they can sleep with young boys. And it's like, did, would you say that the other way around? Because you, wouldn't, you don't say that against something. You don't say, oh, well, we've got to make it 18 for everyone that's straight. So what is the fucking problem here? Like, it, it was this, and it's still incessant. It's still this complete thing that goes round. Um, and it is something that people are starting to, starting to learn. Um, one of the best people that's starting to learn, or actually, I think, personally, learned the lesson very quickly from one joke was uh, Dara Brian, who actually, admittedly, not only did he apologise for a joke that he made, he actually, into his next special, brought it up again to have a go at himself for making the joke which was um, the um, basically um, talking about Elton John. And uh, basically it was, a, it was a poor joke about, you know, um, a, a younger guy and stuff like that. Um, mm. And he basically said, you know, that was a shit, that was a stupid joke. It, there's no evidence, you know. And I, I thought that was a good sign. But that was 2018. Like, it's taken mm. till then for someone to go, you know what, I... There are there are some jokes that I need to actually apologise for, and he's the only comedian I can think of that not only apologised but brought it up again just to apologise again. Mm. And you know, people always talk about cancel culture and shit like that. I've never seen anyone try and cancel Dara Brian because, unfucking surprisingly, he recognises his own problems and he talks about it. But we, the, we as a society, as a community, we haven't done. We still bring this shit up, and it was like the fact you said it was only just in your just in your lifetime that we equalised the age of consent. Just proves the bullshit going through. And, and again, it's that vilification that creates a job for you, which sounds ridiculous. I, mean, I, went, I went to I went to school when Section Twenty Eight was still in place, mm. and it's like the fact that a the fact that a law which literally stated that you can't talk about gay people because these people don't deserve to be considered as valid people was still when I was at school and that was what 12 years ago something like that yeah so I, I yeah um yeah 12 years ago officially ended I believe it was 2008 when it properly ended and 2010 in Kent because of a loophole I had already finished university by the time that was rescinded. Just, it's, exactly. And it's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, it was redundant because a lot of people still were, but the fact that you have it on the books still is a problem. You know, mm. because that's how British law works. You have to write over it effectively for it to change. Mm. It's, it's just ridiculous. But it is... It is something yeah. that I mean, my, my partner did a um, piece on um, for one of their assignments on the impact of teachers coming into teaching being taught by teachers who learn during Section 28 or beforehand. Hmm. So, like, they're being taught by people who weren't even allowed to talk about the stuff that they should be teaching the new generation about. Yeah. Like, I think there's about yeah there's about like six i think yeah there's about 16 years or so where any teachers who like went through um went through section 28 are still teaching yeah i mean like 
they still aren't there teaching, they're still teaching new students. And in a lot of cases, they're trying to teach stuff that they weren't even allowed to talk about. Well, yeah, I, I, taught, I taught in executive schools and I, I taught sex ed hmm. at one point in 2011. I wasn't taught by anyone that was allowed to talk about um, anything like that at all in sex ed. In fact, I don't yeah, yeah. really remember sex ed classes. I am from a very conservative part of the country, but still. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, luckily, I have a lot of um, older sisters and older brothers, and um, not everyone in my family is straight. So it kind of helps. But again, still, it is, yeah, the idea that you're, you're, you're taught how to discuss something when you, you don't necessarily have the background of somebody else, mm-hmm. it, is a, it is a weird idea. And that, the fact that that is not it- that far ago. Yeah, like one of my last one of my last essays, which I got um, was a case study, um, was about a an issue of youth culture and a popular piece of youth culture and how it represents it. The article, the like piece of pop culture and the issue I chose was how sex education on Netflix is a better sex education than sex education in schools. Because they literally have an entire season devoted to it when you've got literally Gene Milburn sitting in the back being like, you're, you're not answering any of these questions. You don't know how to answer these questions. Like the answer is loyal, oil based for latex and you always have the right to say no. It's the, I think that was the two quotes from um, uh, that series. Plus, it was one of the first series to actually uh, feature an asexual person in a room in which they are told that there is nothing broken about them therefore sex can't fix them Hmm. and this is on a tv show before this kind of thing was even in the school curriculum so people are watching netflix uh or watching like some of the shows on cw for example and seeing someone tell them something that the like real life professionals haven't even touched on, let alone would actually say to their face. Yeah, I mean, when I was teaching, I probably got I got more. Some some of the some of the kids, obviously, when I was teaching, were just trying to get a, a specific answer. But like, I got more interesting questions, and I think probably worrying questions from some kids than I would have ever expected from adults because they wouldn't have wanted to discuss it. Um, you know the idea about um, toys, and is that um, is that still assault if it's if it you're being forced to do that rather than with a person and simple things like that, and that that's not something that you would ever be able to talk with. So even even those discussions, even any kind of discussion on sex, was never seemingly taken seriously, whether it was in the gen- in general or on any kind of variation from what society had decided was the norm. It was very much a kind of, you know, almost like um, the Monty Python sketch, um, where it's, you know, his wife comes in, in, out. Yeah, that was it. That's, and I think that's how society still saw it. And I think that's probably, if I went back to the school I was, I was teaching at, that those 60, 70-year-old teachers, probably the way they want, they would rather teach it. Because they don't want any kind of variation, because it's not the way they see it, especially not in a very conservative area in Kent. You know, it's a... It's just not what they what they see. But, you know, I, it's, I mean, back then I was I was younger and so I was full of uh, bright ideas. I'm not quite as young as I used to be. 
But, um, you know, it's, it, is, it is worrying. And, and like you say, the trauma can start immediately there. That your job would not exist as much if people were not told that they don't exist from the age of 13. You know, because that's, that's the case. You know, they just, they're just told they, they don't exist, that they're not real. You know, the, the, I mean, how many, peop- how many people that are teaching and teaching sex ed even understand the term ace, for instance? or understands any variations on it because the first thing they should say is i am not sure that is what they should be saying but so many of them don't and psychologists as well it, it's problematic it's so problematic um i think we've gone we've gone around that we've got we've kind of i think we've gone into a rant that we had the last time you were on the, the main one um yeah. <laughs> but i mean that's always going to happen because um both of us have had interactions with with um with that and with other people being dicks um and it's hard not to want to rant back um, because, you know, it's it's very hard. It's very difficult to do. And, you know, I have benefited from looking and sounding the way I am in many of these areas. Um, and that shouldn't be the case. You shouldn't just be able to be treated a certain way because of the way you look and sound. It's, it's worrying. Anyway, um, was there anything that um, that you wanted to talk about? that I haven't brought up, that I talked over you about, anything like that that you wanted to just kind of conclude on before we finish up? Um, no, I don't think there's really anything we haven't covered. Mm. Uh, I think much like last time, we kind of just rambled straight through it. That's, that's what a podcast is. Rambling is what a podcast should be. I'm actually... Uh, what, I meant, what I meant is yeah. we rambled through the main points. Right, okay. Or at least the main points and then about five other branches coming off of that indeed which hopefully is food for thought for anybody else that's watching and as always if you are watching firstly get yourself a cookie secondly if we brought something up that wasn't part of the main discussion or you're struggling you know what put it down below put it down below because as i say i run a mental health charity i will make sure that the resource actually the website will be below so you can find the resource you want and that you know if it's just you don't want to subscribe to any of the other stuff that my charity does, but you want someone that can help, if you go to the resources page, okay, the Let's Chat at the top of that resources page, there is a full list of different um, resources there for you, whether that's depression, ADHD, people to help you um, with your ident- uh, sexual identity, whether it's just general websites, they are there as well. You can just use the website as a signpost. You know, Don't feel you have to do anything else if you are struggling, and we've brought up something that you was latently in your brain feel free to go and have a look at that but please also make a comment below there might be something that you're like oh fuck i really want really want them to talk about that i really want that to be a, a subject or there's someone you want me to talk to i'm going to say right now i will never give andrew tate a platform on this podcast he wouldn't come on here because we're too small but secondly i don't want his voice to be any louder than it is because i'd rather it shut the fuck up other than that if you want me to try and get someone on here let me know in the um, comments below and I will try and get to it and try and get them on here. But until next time, guys, thank you so much for being with us and I will see you again. Thanks, everyone.